Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. We're starting this new series today, When You. Set us up, babe. I'm so excited for this one. It's all about jumping into the spiritual disciplines, but not just spiritual disciplines that a theologian desires of us. These are from the mouth of Jesus, from his most famous sermon. We're taking it right out of the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And I love that Jesus doesn't teach, hey, you guys, you know what? If you feel like it, how about you think about doing this? No, 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 no. He says, when you. And there are three areas that are assumed. Jesus just assumes that if you are a follower of his, you are doing all three of these things. The first one is when you give. Not if you give. Not maybe could you. No, no, no. When you give. The next one is when you pray. And he unpacks what that should look like. And lastly, it's when you fast. And so it's just a really short three-week series. We're super excited about it. It's right out of Matthew 6, and it's going to lead us into this time of prayer and fasting. Yeah, and you saw the video talking about our 21 days of prayer and fasting that's going to be here like tomorrow. It's just a, just a few weeks away, and this is, this is a very, very important thing for our church. And as we do that, uh, this is so connected to it, these spiritual de- disciplines. And, and so we're excited about that, but today... Uh, we want to look at where Jesus says, when you give. You know, I grew up in a home of four boys, all right? I'm the oldest of four boys, and we were the cliche four boys in a home. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, we were, you know, just all, feels like we never took showers. You know what I mean? Just always dirty. It was always loud. Something was always being broken. We played sports, not just outside, but in the kitchen too. You know what I'm talking about? Like we used the trash can for a basketball, everything that we get our hands on. And the majority of my upbringing, my father was a traveling, he traveled all over the country. He was a, a Christian minister. So he, he was gone preaching the word and, and doing his thing for most of my life. But my mom, bless my mom's pink heart. You know what I'm talking about? Like she raised four knuckleheads and, and, and in my opinion was successful at it. We're all serving the Lord. We're all in ministry. Just that alone right there kind of blows my mind. But that's just the reality of where my family's at. But you know, my brother and I, my, my, my brother Rich Jr., the second one, we were very close. In fact, uh, we, we, we shared the same room until I was almost headed to college. In fact, until the age of 16, we slept in the exact same bed. I know that's weird, but that's just how it was in my home. And we thought it was normal, right? But, uh, but I can remember one day my dad was home, which was rare. And we were out uh, in the backyard and we had this kind of, uh, you know, cement, you know, patio area with a, you know, Walmart basketball hoop there. And my dad was home, so I was, you know, I was wanting him to watch me shoot hoops and dribble and do the whole thing. And my kid brother was want, he wanted to be involved too. And I'm doing my thing and shooting, and and he's like, "Come on!" He, he called me Joe my whole life. Joe, 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 give me the ball, give me the ball, pass the ball. And I just wasn't having it. I wasn't passing it to him. I'd shoot and get my own re- own rebound, hit him over the head with the ball. You know the whole thing that big brothers do. And my dad was off to the side, and he saw it. And finally, he was like, "Come on, Joe, you gotta." Share the ball, share the ball, pass the ball. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. Just kind of being a punk older brother. You know what I'm talking about? And, and, and he, come on, come on. And so after, after several minutes of this nagging, give me the ball, give me the ball, I finally, 
out of nowhere, just, just completely lost all my senses and control. And I took that basketball and I rock it. I'm talking like chest pass, everything inside. I just was like, and I just chest passed that basketball to my kid brother. And that ball hit him in the chest. He didn't even touch his hands. It hit him in the chest so hard that it knocked him into the yard. You know what I'm talking about? Like just blew him all the way back. And he, he landed on his back. And I was like stunned I was that strong. It was an incredible uh, feat of strength. I was like blown away by that. My brother, kid brother's laying on, <laughs> just crying his eyes out. And my dad, let's just say in his way, took me out to the woodshed. If, if you know what I'm talking about. How, how many of you know that most of the time, often it's not, it's not, it's, it's not so much about if you give, it's, it's usually more about how you give, right? I mean, I gave him the ball, did I not? But the way I did it uh, was, was a tad painful, right? And so, and so it's, 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 it's about like, yeah, yeah, we're going to obey and give, but Jesus isn't just concerned about, the, about if you're going to do it. He's actually more concerned about how we do it. And that's kind of the approach we want to take today with this. Yeah, that's exactly what Jesus unpacks. Not necessarily even what you give, right? right? He talks about how you're giving. Let's look together. Matthew 6. We're going to start in verse 1. Like I said, the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is talking directly to his followers. He's teaching them. And he says, verse 1, Be careful, Be careful, guys, because this is a trap that the enemy is going to set for you. Be careful not to practice your righteousness, meaning not to practice the things that I've told you to do in front of others just to be seen by them, right? If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Verse 2, so when you give to the needy, Not if you give, not think about giving, when you give to the needy. And friends, I just want to invite you to circle that word needy. Because so often when we read that in scripture or we hear someone talking about giving to the needy, we think only about that person standing on the corner holding a sign. And friends, can I just tell you that we have needy people all around us all the time in our lives. The people that that need that encouragement that the Lord's put on your heart to text them. The people that need that phone call and you praying for them. The neighbor that needs for you to just maybe knock on the door, you know, with your mask on and, and check on her. There are needy people around us all the time. So make sure that you're not just thinking about that person holding the sign, right? When you give to the needy, do not announce it with the trumpets, I gave, right? As the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, just to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, again, assumed, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. The first area that we want to talk about this morning concerning how Jesus unpacks how to give is number one, check your heart. 
What does that mean, pastor? It means ask yourself, why am I giving? Am I giving just to be seen by others? Am I giving just to get from God? You know, sometimes we do that. Lord, I'm going to give this, but man, you better give it back to me, pressed down and shaken together and running over. Lord, you better, right? Why are we giving? You know, this idea of sowing and reaping, we understand that God created the universe to operate that way. But I have to believe that it is so, so clear in Scripture that God doesn't want us just to give so that we can receive. Amen? Look at how Paul unpacks it. 2 Corinthians, starting chapter 9, verse 7. Scripture says, each of you should give. Yeah, you definitely should give. That's not an option, right? You, you definitely, God's calling you to give, but this is how. You should give what you have decided in your heart to give. It's a heart issue. You, you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not out of reluctance or under compulsion, Right? Not because you feel, you know, guilted into it or man, that person's really, you know, making sure. No, no, no. You're, God loves a cheerful giver. You're to give out of the joy, out of the cheer, out of the excitement for everything that God has done for you, out of excitement for what it might do for someone else. Man, I see this in my kids and I couldn't be a prouder mom. It's so funny because anytime that my kids have friends over, I see this giving component. And I got to say, I wish I could take credit for it, but I know it's all the Lord because Fulton will see one of his little friends playing with maybe even one of his favorite toys. And if he sees that friend getting true, pure joy out of that, I promise you, right as they're leaving, Fulton always offers to give the toy to his friend. And that makes my heart so happy. Fulton's not doing it to get something else. He's doing it because he sees. He sees what that joy brings to that person. And he is blessed. He's excited to do it. I see it in Izzy. She's my gift giver too, man. And she's a words girl. So she'll spend hours on a drawing and she'll write, write little notes to her friends and we'll mail them. Why? Because she feels obligated. No, 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 no. Friends, she's excited too. She's excited. She gets joy from it. And that's exactly what the Lord is talking about. And that seems so simple, but so often in our giving of our time or our giving of our talents or even our treasures, so often we find ourselves either doing it to be seen by others or doing it out of some weird obligation. Oh man, I got to check this off for the month. What? No, no, no. God said, well, wait, if that's why you're giving, just keep it. Just keep it. I, I love a cheerful giver. I want to be able to be blessed by your heart to bless others and friends as we continue to check our hearts concerning why, why we're giving. I know that God, God will really begin to reveal to us, reveal to us areas that he wants to shift and help us to understand the joy that our giving can actually give others. It's all about checking your heart. Why are you giving? Are you giving, giving out of obligation or because you've caught the heart of God for your life. Yeah, and you just said it. I mean, Jesus was always speaking to the man's heart that was standing in front of him. And so if that's the case, we, we've got to check our own hearts. So that's the first thought with this, 
When giving, check your heart, your motives. Why are you doing this? Do you have your own agenda that's outside of his? Here's the second thought that we have for you, and that is check your hands. Check your hands. What has he placed in your hands that you can use to bless others? This one's so cool. It's huge. We all have something, something in our hands. And it's not just always about money. It's your talents, right? It's your time. And we're going to talk about that here in a second. But there's this cool story in the Old Testament out of 1 Kings chapter 17 that we're going to kind of use as the anchor uh, picture, the story as we uh, walk through the rest of this, uh, this talk here. But 1 Kings chapter 17, uh, it's, it was in the Old Testament, but we just believe it's so relevant Uh, for us in this moment right now. Let's just read it and we'll unpack it here. It says, starting in verse 8, Then the word of the Lord came to him. You say, who's him? Him is the prophet Elijah. So here is the word of the Lord. It is, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. I want you to see this. God has called this woman to do this specific task. He's saying he has actually directed her concerning this matter. It's it's an amazing thing. Look at verse 10. So Elijah went down to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little jar, in a, a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called. And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. Okay, wait a second, girlfriend. Wait a second. What are you talking about? Don't you know what it takes to make bread? Like, you don't think you have bread in your hands, but you have everything in your hands to what it takes to make the bread. And and we see this all the time. God's people. We hear people say all the time, oh, I don't have anything to give. I'm out of work. Or "I, I don't have time to do that. Or I don't... I don't have what I think I'm supposed to give. I don't I can't produce that. But what I always respond with is, man, you've got something. You've got something in your hands. And man, let me tell you right now, I feel like we are preaching to the choir because I mean, this church, I'm so honored to be a part of Church for All Nations because this body, you guys, you watching online, you understand this. Some of you are going kind of giving me the fist pump right now because you get it. You understand this component of using the thing that's in your hands. We see it all the time. In fact, early this morning and all throughout the week, anytime you you pull onto this physical Church for All Nations campus, man, the landscaping here, gorgeous. I mean, the lawn, it looks like a a, a country club out there, the yard and, and, and the flowers and, and there's no weeds. It's It's gorgeous. And you know what? We don't pay someone to do that. There's a lovely couple by the name of John and Jane Adams. And if you're watching right now, we love you guys so much. This is a couple that have both have a decorated 
career in the military. And when they retired, they didn't just go sit on a beach in Southern California. <laughs> you know what I mean? And here's a picture of them right here. They devoted this second part of their life, this new season of life, 100% to the work of the Lord. And they serve God in this church in so many different ways. But one way they do that is they lead our, 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 our dream team that is over our grounds, man. And so, man, John and Jay, I feel like they're here almost every single day. They're, they're here more, more than I am, that's for sure. But they're here and they keep up the beautiful land and the plants and trees and Christmas time. We're going to have Christmas trees and all of this stuff and the beautification of this property. Well, what was it? Yes, do they contribute financially? Of course they do. Do, do, do they give of their talents? Absolutely. But man, they, they, they just said, we got some time on our hands. And we, we, do, we, we want to offer something that we love. By the way, this is their backyard. Hello. I got, to, I got to go over there about a year ago, and I've, ne- I've never seen a backyard. Like, so, in fact, I was joking about it this last week. I was over at John's, and John said, before you get on the, on the lawn, take your shoes off and your socks. Feels so good. Walk around. I'm like, okay, here we are, two grown men walking through the yard. Man, that is awesome, man. What's that all about, man? Just passion. Passion, his love for for the botanist way, if you will, and, 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 and he's doing just one, one, one example of many here at Church Yeah, and, and how amazing does it bless you to drive onto this property and go, oh, wow, it's so beautiful, right? It's, it's giving. And maybe you're like me. Maybe your thumb is not green. Mine's not green at all. Anybody with me? Yeah, Pastor JF handles the plants in our house. But maybe you're thinking, well, I, I don't have that gifting. I don't have that passion. I think about our friend Kern. Kern is in the uh, the lobby right now, and he's head of security at CFAN. But you know what? Kern also has a passion for fitness. This is him and his amazing wife, Tavita. And they're incredible Dream Team members and deacons. And, you know, it's so beautiful how... He uses his passion for fitness to not only encourage others. Weekly, you can find him at stadium. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Running those stairs, right? And he's encouraging others to do it, and he's coaching them. And why? Because he has a passion for it. And he's not just keeping it to himself. He's giving it. And there's so many examples like that. Oh, yeah. Just even we were talking about it earlier, our food pantry. How many of you have, you, have you been blessed by that food ministry? It's just amazing what God's doing through that work. And so literally hundreds of people serve on that pantry dream team. And I was even, I was even thinking about one particular uh, just saint. And her name's Miss Helen Miles. And if you know... Miss Helen, man, she is, it feels like she's here every day working that food pantry. She has such a passion. There she is right there. Don't you love that smile? Whenever I see her, she just blesses me, man. She's in there. She's stocking the shelves. She's walking with people, praying for people, asking how they, how she can serve them. She has a passion for missions work. She spent time in the Congo meeting with pastors there. And I know she's super involved in women's ministry, leads a, a round table. But man, here she is. She just said, you know what? I have a passion for helping those that are, that are walking through a tough season with specific needs for their life. And here she is. That's what she does. She just uses what's in her hands. She's got some time. She's got some love and passion. That's what she does. That, that, this is what this is all about. Yeah, it really is. And even with that flexibility that we've been talking about, I think about Bob and Nancy Baker. Gosh, they're such amazing blessings. And they serve in Kids Nation when we had, what, normal church, right? And and in this season, you know, they're just looking for needs and filling them. 
And there is something so incredibly godly about that. And you know, Bob, gosh, he works on everything. Everything from the refrigerators for the pantry to the air conditioners and the heating, all the things, right? And Miss Nancy, even our family got so blessed a couple of weeks ago, our Izzy's learning guitar, right? And so Miss Nancy saw that on social media. What did she do? She wrote Izzy a card and just encouraged her and printed out some starter chords. And Izzy practices those chords because Miss Nancy took the time and the effort. Friends, why are we giving you all these examples? This is literally just a drop of what so many people that are here, a part of Church for All Nations, do. But the idea that we don't want you to miss is, friends, you have resources that God desires for you to give. For some of you, it is passion. For some of you, it's encouragement. For some of you, it's it's a spiritual gifting that God desires to flow through you to give to others. There's so many areas. And even if you're just like that widow and you go, God, I no, all I got is, is this. And he's like, yeah, yeah, look and see what I can do with it. If you are willing, if you're willing to give it to me, I can make it exactly what I've called you to. So number one, check your heart. Why am I giving? Am I giving just to get? Am I giving just to be seen? Lord, create in us hearts that are cheerful, Lord, excited to give, whatever it is. Check your hands, right? Number two is check your hands. Lord, open our eyes, God, to what you've placed in our hands. Sometimes we only see the flour and the oil, and we think, well, what is this? And God said, oh, let me tell you, that's exactly what I'm calling you to. You're just not seeing it. That's exactly what I'm calling you to. And number three, check what you're holding tightest. Check your heart, check your hands, check what you're holding the tightest. What are you most reluctant to give? And I want to pause right there because for some of you, the Holy Spirit's speaking to you even now. It's that thing he's been nudging you about. That thing that he's been speaking to you and you just, oh Lord, that's flour and oil. No, 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 it's that. You go, but, but Lord, this is, this is my only flour and oil. No, 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 this is my only. What are you holding the tightest? Back to that story of Elijah. The widow and her son. Look with me, 1 Kings 17. We're going to read verse 12 first. We read it before, but she said, As surely as the Lord your God lives, she said, I, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son so that we may eat it and die. I want to stop right there because some of you aren't seeing what God's placed in your hands fully. And the enemy is using your misunderstanding of what's in your hands to take every bit of hope and vision and purpose away from you. Some of you aren't realizing, you know what God's called you to, you felt those nudges, but you're not realizing that he's already placed in your hands everything to make it happen. All he wants is your obedience. All he wants is your willingness, despite the discomfort. 
despite the inconvenience. He wants your willingness, your trust. And because you're not seeing what he's placed in your hands, because you're still holding it so incredibly tight, you're actually living a life full of despair instead of hope. You're living a life that's planning, planning, oh, we're just gonna, we're gonna eat this and die. We have no hope. We have no vision. This is all. But the second you're willing to let go of what you hold tightest, the second you're willing to give to him what he asks of you, regardless of how it looks to you, it may just be oil and flour to you. He said, no, 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 you got some amazing bread that you're going to feed people. Watch what I will do with it. Look at verse 13. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Why? Because, yeah, it's scary. How many of you know sometimes giving can feel scary? Sometimes stepping out, giving your time, giving your skills, giving your experience, that can be scary. He said, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, somebody needs to underline that in your Bible. But first, yeah, 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 you can go about your plans. But he said, but first, I want you to obey what God's told you. So often we forget that at the beginning of those passages, the Lord had already spoken to her about what she was going to do. Scripture is clear about that. And he said, but first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then, and then when you are obedient with giving God that first, when you are obedient to what God told you to do first, watch what will happen. Then make something for yourself and your son. Verse 14, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. Somebody needs to hear this. You are so afraid to give what God has spoken to you. And you need to understand when you are willing to be obedient what you have that looks so small and so little, he can make it perpetual. He can make it everlasting when we place it in his hands. Verse 15, so she went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every single day for Elijah and for the woman. And look at this. It doesn't just say her son. This gets me excited, friends. It doesn't just say that out of her obedience, she and her son and Elijah were fed. It says her whole family. Do you know what I believe that means? I believe that it means her extended family was taken care of as well. Why? Because she was obedient with what was in her hand. She was obedient with what she held so tight. No, 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 no. This is, this is the last meal for me and my son. God said, put it in my hands. And not only will Elijah be fed, your whole family and not just this one meal, throughout the entirety of the famine. If you will trust me. For the jar of the flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. But you know what I get excited about, friends? The Lord didn't just stop there. How many of you know that story would have been awesome enough just there? 
right? Not only was she taken care of, her whole family was taken care of throughout the entirety of the famine, but the Lord doesn't stop there. When she was willing to give what she held so tightly, the Lord opened up a door for provision in her future that she had no idea that she was going to need. Look at this. 1 Kings 17, starting in verse 17, Scripture says, Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Verse 19, Elijah said, Give me your son. What is he saying here? He's saying, okay, now you're holding this tightest. You're holding this the tightest. Give me your son. Give me your need. Give me your worries. Give me your anxiety. Give me your fears. Watch what I'll do with them. Scripture says, he took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his bed. Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry and the boy's life returned to him and he lived. What do I want you to see from this? Friends, when we are willing to give to him what we are holding the tightest, what we are clutching, what we are so reluctant. When we hear his voice and we are obedient, not only, not only will he provide for us in the here and now, he so often can and will use our obedience to allow for opportunities for provision in the future. If she had not been obedient in making that small piece of bread for Elijah, then I believe that he would have gone on to the next town, to the next lady, until he found someone who was obedient. And then she would not have had the healing for her son that God provided through Elijah. What are you holding the tightest that the Lord desires for you to release to him? And the reality is, this is uh, so much easier said than done, no? This stepping out into deep waters, like Peter, when Jesus says, step out of the boat, this is not, this, this is counterintuitive to our flesh. Our, our humanity pushes back on this. The very thing that we cherish the most, that picture of that, that, that child dying, our flesh says, hold it, try to fix it. God's kingdom says, release it. So this is an action step that, that takes practice. That's why they're called spiritual disciplines. And I love this. I want to close with Jesus' words, and then we're going to pray. Jesus closes this entire when you thought with the following instructions. Look at Matthew 6, starting in verse 19. Now, give you a little bit of context here. Jesus is in the middle. I mean, he's in the meat, the marrow of the Sermon on the Mount. He has said some things prior to what he says here that were so extremely divisive, offensive. He, he, was, he was like 
like just spitting game into the face of the religious leaders. I mean, there's some people standing around that are upset, people that are listening. Uh, they know what's going on. They feel uncomfortable. And look what Jesus says here as he continues to talk about the way we give, starting in verse 19. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Friend, today I want to say this. This giving thing, this, this, this giving thing that we engage in isn't about God needing us. It's about God wanting us. It's about God wanting to use us. My friend today, when God says, Jesus says, store up your treasures in heaven. What he's saying is, give me your heart. Give me what you have in your hand, what I've placed in your hand. Give it back to me. I'm telling you, if you put all of your hope and all of your trust and everything that that I've called you to do, if you give it back to me, I'm telling you, it'll grow. And I'll grow it through you. He desires our hearts today. And if we're willing to give him the very thing that we hold tightest, we have no idea what he's capable of doing with that thing. But it takes a supernatural trust component that every single day you have to wake up and make a decision You have to decide today how you will respond to every encounter and has so much to do in this area of giving. And then above giving, this generosity component, over and above, and it all starts within our hearts. And so I want to pray for you today. I know for even Pastor Ashley and myself, like this is is for us, man. This is a whether you've been walking with the Lord for 20 plus years or this is the first time you've heard Jesus say this stuff, I mean, we can all grow every day to the day we die in these areas of, of giving of our time, of our talent, of our treasure. we got to check our hearts. Why are we doing this? What's the motivation behind it? Is it about His agenda or do we have a hidden agenda? you got to check your hands. What's He placed in your hand? There's We all all have connected to something. And here's another thing that I wish we had more time to talk about. Across the board, it's equally important, (laughs) right? Maybe you say, I'm in a season right now where I'm only able to do this amount financially, right? But I'm I'm able to do this with my time. And I'm telling you, across the board, this guy can't pull his weight over here, but she can for him over here and vice versa. This is the body of Christ. We're a family, Everything that we contribute is equally important. So be like, find peace in that right there. Don't allow the enemy to say that, oh, you're not. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. What you have in your hands, it is worth something to God, to God and his kingdom. And then finally, check what you're holding tightest. What are you most reluctant to give? If you're willing to lay it down at his feet, he often uses that to open the doors for future provision that you couldn't possibly possibly have ever known. Come on, in this auditorium, just bow your heads, close your eyes. We're going we're to pray. If you're watching online, I want to pray for you.
as you sit in your apartment, maybe you're in the break room between shifts and you're on your smartphone and you have your earbuds in, wherever you're at, you're a part of this moment right now. This is a Holy Spirit moment. We're all connected. We're one church, one body. And so I want to pray for you. You know, 99.9% of the time we gather, we always try to give an opportunity for somebody. Maybe it's one person. We've had times where 50 people made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. And so today, we're, I want to give that, I want to extend that opportunity to you to do it in this setting. Now, you can accept Christ tonight as you go to sleep. I mean, it doesn't matter when it is, but maybe this moment, this is, this is the moment. Everything's led up to this moment. And you say, that's me, Pastor. Pray for me. I got some heart stuff going on. I got some stuff that's rooted inside of me that have, that's producing rotten fruit. Let's just be honest here. Sometimes we get ourselves into situations that because of what we've done, it's led to poor, uh, consequences. Maybe you're here today and you're dealing with a broken heart. Maybe you're dealing with unforgiveness issues, bitterness, shame. Maybe it's an addiction issue that the enemy continues to throw in your face. You, can't, you feel like you can't overcome, man. And today you want to you start the journey to wholeness, freedom, healing. It won't start until you make the first step. And the first step is to lay it down at the feet of Jesus and to say, yes, I believe in you, Jesus. I believe in who you said you were, who you are, what you came to do. I believe that you're the son of God. And I believe that you can do a new thing in my heart. Maybe you're here today or you're watching online and, 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 and this is going to be the first time you've accepted Christ. Maybe you used to walk with the Lord and something happened, a tragedy, something happened in your life, a divorce, Something happened and you walked away from the Lord and you want to recommit your life to Christ. You can do that too. We serve a good God who, who always is standing with his arms wide open for you to run back home. Maybe you feel like the prodigal son. Maybe you say today, I want to make my peace with God. I want you to know you can do it right now. I want to pray for you. But if you're in this auditorium, you can even do it at home, wherever you're at. On the count of three, you say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to say yes to Jesus. Just slip your hand up real quick on the count of three. Just one, two, three. If you're in the auditorium, say, that's me. I want to I I make a decision today. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. If you're watching online, just right now, we're going to say a prayer. One more question. You don't have to raise your hand for this, but maybe, maybe as Pastor Ashley ended with such a compelling thought regarding the thing that we're holding the tightest, that that's, that's the deal. You've given them all the other stuff, but the other stuff was easy to let, let go of. This thing that she was talking about, this reluctancy, you've been holding on to that thing because you're making decisions out of fear of losing it. But the Lord is saying, you're not going to lose it. I'm going to take it and multiply it. But you have to have enough faith in me, trust in me to do it. If that's you, don't raise your hand. But I want to pray for you. You know, you know the thing. I want to pray for you right now. Just give it to him. Give it to him right now. Lord, we come to you. God, I thank you that you see us in many ways, in ways that we, we from time to time, due to our humanity, we, we don't see ourselves the way you see us. The reason why we don't is because there's an enemy of our soul out there who constantly is trying to play head games with us, constantly throwing up our past right in front of our face. We step out in faith, and in the moment of that, stepping out of the boat, the enemy throws that thing back into our face. And so just like Peter, we, be, we begin to slip under the water. But Lord, 
what's so incredible about you, many things, obviously, but the one thing is you're always there. You don't, you don't let us drown. Just like you were with Peter, you reached down and you, you pulled him up and you've pulled so many of us up, including myself. I have failed you so many times in my life. You have never failed me. You've never turned your back on me. You're, you've always been there. And so for that, I thank you, Lord, that I find my identity not in the brokenness of who JF really is when you peel back the layers, the sin, all of that stuff, the broken, carnal man. God, I thank you that I see myself. All of my identity is put in you, Christ Jesus. That's what you called us to do. And I thank you, God, because of your love and your grace, you hold, you hold me and my friends together. Thank you for your love and your grace. God, those of you that raise your hand, those of you that are watching online and you want to say yes to Jesus, do exactly that right now. Lord, come into my life. According to the book of John, the requirement to salvation is belief. So we believe in you, Jesus. We receive you, Jesus. We accept you, Jesus. Lord, come into our lives. Heal us. Cleanse us of all sin, all hurt, all memories the past. Lord God, we've walked through some dark times in our lives. God, I pray that you would heal my brother right now, my sister right now. God, give them strength. Lord Jesus, as they step out on this journey of faith, this daily journey, God, I pray that they would sense you in their lives in a, in a unique way. God, my, there's a, I feel like you're telling me right now, Lord, that there's someone in this auditorium that you're tormented when you go to sleep at night. In, in Jesus' name, that's going right now. You're going you're gonna to put your head down on the pillow tonight, and you're going you're gonna to rest physically, but even more so spiritually. The enemy, the, the enemy has been teeing off on you between your ears. You wake up in the middle of the night with, 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 uh, with bad dreams and torment. I, and the, I prophesy in the name of Jesus, healing. Healing right now. It's happening right now. And, and you, know who, you know who you are right now. In fact, you're going to come tell me after, after the service who you are. But I just pray right now that you would find peace right now, knowing that he has you tonight and every night moving forward. In Jesus' name, we just receive that, God. I pray for my friend that's watching right now online here in this auditorium. God, there's folks right now that love you dearly, but they've got a trust issue based on man who has hurt them in the past. They put their faith in a relationship that ended in divorce, and so they have trust issues, daddy issues, whatever it is. God, I pray right now that you would give them the strength, the peace to release that thing that they cherish, whatever that looks like right now. So we just do that. We did this in the first gathering. We're into symbols here at CFAN. That thing in your hand right now, just clench your fist. Maybe you're watching online. You know what that thing represents. And right now, just... Just let it go. Boom. Just like that. Just the symbol of release. Give it to you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus, that your seed of your word has been planted in our heart today. May it grow. May we see the fruit, even starting tomorrow. We give you all the praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church. 